Except for Antarctica, every continent has them. They've been proven to reduce human stress. They can help you reduce your energy costs. We're talking about trees. Andre's special guest is a tree expert that'll help you understand the trees on your property. Today, on WeatherJet. WeatherJet. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, many other ologies. We will touch on one of them today on this Science Wednesday and periodically interesting off-topic episodes. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 230 for Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. One week from today, we flip our calendars over to the wonderful month of September, and a lot of the trees will start to begin their trip from greens to some bright reds. The first to go would be the red maples and then eventually the sugar maples and all of the other deciduous trees will give us that glorious color. As we head down that road, we may invite some of the fall foliage experts on the program to talk more about what we can anticipate this year. But speaking of this year, there's no debating that the greens of summer are really vibrant. Both short and long-term rainfall trends have been largely adequate, but the health of the trees that surround us goes well beyond the quick look at rainfall departure from normal, something that we regularly take a look at just to give us an idea as to where we are at in terms of rainfall and moisture content. Certified arborist John Palmer recently told me in a conversation that tree health goes well beyond short-term and long-term rainfall. And I also discovered a host of new things about something we all take for granted at times, and that is trees. I think you'll find the conversation that I enjoyed with John truly amazing and worthwhile. Here we go. John Palmer is with us uh, here on Weather Jazz. John, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Andre. I'm glad we could finally uh, uh, get together on this, and uh, I'm, I'm pleased to be with you. I know it took a little while uh, before we finally were able to make uh, the, the connection, uh, and uh, thanks to wonderful email servers and all that jazz, not to be confused with Weather Jazz, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with trees and uh, how you have uh, developed in that interest and, of course, what you do for a living. Well, it's, it's like the older you get, the longer your story gets. Um, but I had a, uh, lost a career uh, in midlife and had to start over again. And by the way, my career was actually in broadcasting. So that's uh, apparently I'm pretty good, to, uh, pretty good at talking. So that's what I'm doing for a living now. But one of the things uh, I started a landscaping company because I just couldn't find work back in my particular industry. And after a few years, I just thought, you know, I don't want to be mowing lawns and shoveling mulch. 
for the rest of my life. And I stumbled into trying to solve a problem for a client. I stumbled into uh, the International Society of Arboriculture and lots of interesting uh things having to do with trees. And I thought, hmm, I could become a certified arborist. I bet a certified arborist makes more than somebody working in the landscaping <laughs> industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I, I just, I stumbled across it. And what I realized, and I had forgotten because of my previous career, was my real love of science. Science, uh, they were my best classes in high school. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I had kind of forgotten all that. And so I was able to essentially combine the two. And I moved much more into the tree side of it about, about 10 years ago. And uh, I started reading books and seeing that there was all sorts of research and uh, scientific studies. And then there were conferences where they had all these really brilliant people that have been doing all sorts of research. And it really just lit a fire within me. So I just became a sponge. And so I soaked up all this knowledge and I, you pursued, you know, I was a certified arborist and then I became a, a, a qualified tree risk assessor. So I'm a, I'm a you know, professionally capable of assessing trees for their safety and structure. And uh, I do that all the time. And then I became uh, a, what's called a board certified master arborist, which is the highest level of uh, mm-hmm. uh, professionalism, uh, a professional uh, uh, certification you can get through ISA. And it's just, it's, it's been remarkable and fun. And then I was approached about, talking, speaking to people since that's what I had done for most of my life, it seems. And so through that, I started doing, started at the little garden clubs and it's moved on to, I used to travel all over the country, actually lecturing on advanced arboriculture and talking to engineers and architects and landscape architects, telling them why trees and their designs were important and why, what we need to do to protect them. And so it it really just took off. And obviously public speaking has taken a big hit in the last 18 months. Uh, but I still do that. I still teach, but I still do a lot of stuff locally as well. I still like to get my hands in trees and prune and such like that. Well, John, tell me, how long did it take to get that first certification when you realized, okay, this is a direction I want to head to? I think I stumbled across it uh, probably 2010. And I realized, oh, they, they give you a book. You can buy a book. Basically, here's the, here's the test in a book and, uh, and go from there. So that was 2011. But as, since I'm prone to overanalyzing things, I probably could have taken the test right away, but I didn't. I waited a year and I studied and I learned it. So it was 2012 when I got my first uh, uh, you know, certified arborist certification. Wow, that's great. All right. Well, let's get into the nitty gritty uh, because uh, we're talking about our summer weather pattern. We started off actually near normal for the month of July. I'm sorry, for the month of June, near normal uh, in terms of rainfall. However, up to that point, we had been very, very dry. Uh, We developed a almost seven inch rainfall deficit at Hopkins Airport. And all at once in the month of July, and I always tell people this is not good when you erase a seven-inch rainfall deficit inside of a week or two, you're going to have some problems. We did that. And we're still running a surplus, about an inch and a half for the year. So we started off, you know, near normal, but off on a dry uh, spring. And then we ended up with a super, super wet pattern, which almost continues to today. What kinds of challenges does that bring uh, to your field what kinds of issues or problems are you seeing and how do you fix them? Well, um, that's the $64,000 question. Well, essentially, 
I joke with people when I, when I lecture, I just, I say, what do we plant trees in? We plant trees in soil. Okay. This isn't hydroponics. So soil and understanding soil is very important and understanding hydrology, which is how water moves through soil and the things that we can do to soil to make it uh, less, uh, a less um, healthy environment for water, for roots, uh, for, for uh, microbes, for, for oxygen. People, uh, people, so, so understanding rainfall for me. So I was following it back in December and I knew that they, the predictions because of a lot of what's happening in the Pacific ocean and some of the, uh, um, weather, you know, the cyclical weather phenomenon that you've talked about and Scott's talked about in the past, we knew that they were calling for a wetter than usual, um, summer this year. So I kind of, I kind of knew that that was likely to happen as, as you know, in predicting things, you, you can't say it's going to happen. You can say it's likely, or there's a high percentage mm-hmm. of it's the same way actually in dealing with trees. So uh-huh. for me, understanding what's happening in the soil, uh, oftentimes when there you have uh, storms that come through and trees uh, fail, you know, they'll actually pull right out of the ground. People are like, Oh, see what happened. This tree, it had a shallow root system or whatever. And it pulled out of the ground. I specifically remember back to Superstorm uh, Sandy. And there were a lot of trees that blew down there. But I tell people it wasn't the wind that brought those trees down. It was the six days of rain that led up to it and essentially saturated the soil and made the soil like oatmeal. And then uh, the roots could, the roots could not, there was no resistive force yeah. um, uh, to hold the mm-hmm. roots in there. And I would see trees that had been, had, had been wind, wind thrown is the technical term. And I had seen them, but the, none of the roots were broken. They were still mm-hmm. all intact because they literally had just slid out of the ground. So it's wow. important to understand that. And again, with storms and winds, um, I, I'm, I actually I recently uh, wrote an op-ed for the Plain Dealer last week and just trying to say, you know, is your tree safe? Because too many people see a large tree failure and then, you know, panic ensues. I, I tell people respectfully that large tree failures are kind of like uh, airplane crashes. Statistically, they don't happen that often. If it happens to you, obviously, you, you don't care about statistics anymore. Mm-hmm. Most trees remain upright. But people think big tree, it fell. I have a big tree. Oh, my God. I'm, my, what do I have to do? And so too many um, either uneducated or unscrupulous tree companies come through and say, well, yeah, if you're scared about the tree, we'll take it down for you. When there was probably no reason to take the tree down at all. So it's, it's, it's understanding that and then understanding all the science that goes behind understanding trees. And, and that's where, that's where it gets kind of fun, but extreme, extremely nerdy. I'm a tree nerd and proudly so. And, uh, um, you know, science is, is, is a marvelous thing. And the, the better I understand science, the better I, I understand trees. Well, John, tell me then, uh, if a tree gets knocked over, especially in this kind of a pattern where, as you say, the tree, the root system is fine. It's just sitting in this pile of, uh, soil oatmeal uh, soupy mud right. if you will is there a way to redeem that tree without chopping it up and cutting it down um you mean after a tree fails or yes uh, yes after a tree no, fails not no not not really not mm-hmm. large trees you know even I, I mean i have i have actually reset i could show you pictures some trees that have actually been moved in the soil because the soil was so so viscous, so, you know, so mm-hmm. water-like that the tree would lean and then it would dry out and the tree would be stuck in that position because it, 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 the entire root system had shifted in that soil. If you ever drive down a, a commercial 
you know, a street or, uh, you know, things like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just through any municipality, oftentimes you'll see trees like on tree lawns or in little tree pits along shopping areas, and they're just leaning. You're like, why the heck did they plant it that way? Well, it didn't happen. It probably just settled. So, um, so smaller trees, the root systems can be moved. Uh, you can actually reestablish them. It takes a little bit of work and you have to know what you're doing. But for a larger tree, it's just, it's just not possible to do that. Tree roots, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I like to, I like to kind of blow up myths, uh, especially about trees. And so there's lots of myths about tree roots. And the biggest one is, is that tree roots grow deep. But there's this one giant tap root that actually mm-hmm. holds these massive trees. And that's just not the case. Tree roots are shallow. And one of the reasons is, is tree roots and leaves are the exact opposite of each other. You remember, you remember science, you teach science. Um, you, you know, tree leaves take in carbon dioxide, give off oxygen or water vapor. Tree roots actually absorb oxygen from between the soil particles mm-hmm. and give off carbon dioxide and other exudates. The deeper you go in the soil profile, the less oxygen there is. So tree mm-hmm. roots stay shallow. There is no deep tap root. The tap root is purely, uh, purely an establishment root. It dies or deflects very early on in the tree's life within probably the first 10 years. And so the roots are shallow. And if you want a rough guesstimate, about 75% of a tree's roots are in the top 12 inches. Oh, wow. So if mm-hmm. you look out in your backyard and you see some hundred foot tall oak tree waving in the, in the stiff breeze, just know that the only thing that's holding it is the, that shallow root system. But mm-hmm. root systems don't just go to the canopy. That was the old ad thought that they just went as far as the drip line or the canopy of the tree. Research wow. has shown that they can go, they can go two to three times the diameter of the tree. Mm -hmm. So just think of your tree, instead of having this large carrot root that holds it, it's actually got more of a tripod. It has multiple root flares that come out and that's what keeps the trees up. And it's a, to me, it's a miracle of design that they, that most of them stand up in in the storms and things. So understanding roots and and hydrology and biology of trees is in the, in their interrelation is actually very important uh, to understanding tree safety. And then also, we don't want to damage the soil or damage the roots. Now that we know that the roots extend much farther from the tree than what you, what we have been led to believe or, or the assumptions made, it's uh, it's, we need to be more careful when we you know put mm-hmm. in a new driveway or whether we drive vehicles over the soil, things like that. Well, let's talk about the trees that are on people's properties. Given the fact that we have weather, uh, a very wet uh, summer thus far, Maybe somebody has noticed that a particular and maybe even a favorite tree is not doing that well. What is it uh, that they should do? What steps should be taken next when they first notice that, okay, this is a tree I want to preserve and, um, uh, well, it's not looking too healthy right now. What is the next step? Well, without, you know, uh, tooting my industry too much, but uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm certified through the International Society of Arboriculture and ISA has a website. They also have a very specific uh, kind of consumer focused website called treesaregood.org. Now, there's an Ohio version of that, but since it's the Internet, let me just give you give the, the, uh, the, the more general uh, one. But treesaregood.org and you can go in there, put in your zip code. And find an arborist near you. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, to me, there's a difference between an arborist and a tree worker, tree doctor, tree undertaker, you know, people that think just cut things off and cut things down. So, it, and, and an arborist is somebody who has to, should figure that out. It's, it, you know, we're, we're very, we're trained very specifically 
to look at things. So we're going to look at soils. We're going to look at uh, with a root system. We're going to ask people questions about, you know, has there been any construction in your property over the past three or four years? I was I was just out at a client a week ago looking at some terrible construction damage. It was done in the soil. They didn't touch the mm. tree, but they destroyed the soil and the root system. Mm, so, and then understanding okay. the species, yeah. species is important, species profile. Um, I get calls all the time for little spots on leaves or things, greenish, bluish stuff growing on the barks of trees. And people are like, my tree has a disease. I'm like, no, it's not disease. It's, it's lichen, it's moss, it's things that are very normal in nature that aren't bad for it. So it's just a matter of understanding. And that's where the ISA qualifications uh, kind of separate people from uh, um, uh, you know, just it, mm-hmm. it, it's a way to actually say that my, you know, to indicate that my level of education, I'm, I'm pursuing greater levels of that. And it's it, 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 like I say, arborist, tree worker, there's a difference. So getting an arborist out, if you're really concerned about a tree, a certified arborist is, is, a, is a important thing. So what we're going to do, John, is add, first of all, your link to Is My Tree Safe? You sent me that link earlier. I'm going to have that posted on uh, episode number 229 of weatherjazz.com. If anybody is uh, interested, 220 and 230. Oh, we're up to 230 already. Uh, 230. So uh, go check it out. And along with the was it treesaregood.org, is that correct? That That's correct, yes. Okay, we'll post those up just in case anybody out there, and I'm sure there is, somebody out there is concerned about a tree in their backyard. And uh, so that would be a very, very good place to start. And who knows when you contact uh, that uh, that website with your your zip code, you might be the fortunate one that uh, actually gets hooked up with John Palmer uh, right there on Weather Jazz. And uh, so I'm sure that he's going to steer you all in the right direction. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great resource and, you know, people want to save their trees in many cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, but there's just, there's so much misinformation out there, unfortunately. And the fun thing for me is there's so much science that I can actually dispel the misinformation if I just get the opportunity to share it with people. Mm-hmm. Well, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you for your prediction for the fall foliage season coming up since you're uh, into trees. And of course, Trees are paramount to the fall foliage season. Uh, Typically, it's right around mid-October, northeast Ohio. Given the fact that, uh, and what you've seen thus far with the wet summer, what do we need to to do in order to see an absolutely stellar fall foliage season? Well, we have to rely on nature uh, to do most of the work here, having to do with uh, sunlight and uh, sunny days and cool nights. Um, but water and water stress can also affect uh, trees and tree uh, and color. And then when it happens, um, so we, you, we so we, we talked about this a little bit before um, with all the rain that we've got, we caught up on our quote unquote deficit. But for trees in an urban environment, so trees in cities, trees around people, most of that water just ran off and just ran mm-hmm. into the sewer sewer systems. <clears throat> so I would imagine there's still a water deficit for trees, especially in urban scenarios. If we're looking at a woodland or a forested setting, they probably captured much more of that water, uh, but they still might be functioning. So a lack of water or water stress can actually cause leaves to actually turn a little bit uh, sooner because they are under stress and the trees don't have quite all, all, the, all quite the resources that they need. So we could use some additional rain realistically. I mean, we're asking for that in August in Cleveland. That's kind of like, 
that's that's not an easy thing to ask for and, and feel confident you're going to get. Um, but so I, I think the, the you know if if we don't get a lot of rain, I think we might be able to see a slightly you know earlier turning. Uh, um, uh, and again, it, it varies from spot to spot. That's the the whole theory of microclimates. In this little area, mm-hmm. it's different than this little area. So this one area may have a little more rain than others. But overall, I think we might still be at a little bit of a deficit. So we might see a little earlier turn of the colors. All right. Well, keep an eye on things for us, John. And now that we have a set established connection and the audience knows who you are, you're welcome on Weather Jazz anytime, especially when you see something that is of particular interest, not only here, especially here, since most of our audience is Northeast Ohio, but we have a world audience podcast and we have uh, downloads from every single continent except Antarctica. And that's going to change next year, by the way, (laughs) Um, because I've got a friend who works for NASA and he's going to download weather jazz when he goes to the South Pole so that we can say we were at the South Pole. Um, well, that's what that's what I tell people. It's like I've I've actually heard speakers and people talk about trees from six of the seven continents, but there's no trees in Antarctica. So, right. Oh, you know, we have to we have to always Antarctica is always kind of getting the short shrift, isn't it? <laughs> well, if uh, yeah, maybe we need to plant one tree somewhere near the Ross Ice Shelf uh, near the near the shoreline so that we can get you busy. Maybe that's that's an experiment for uh, 2022 for John Palmer. Yeah, you know, I'm a warm climate kind of guy, so I will have to see about that. <laughs> now, the one thing I did want to mention is you mentioned about somebody who works for NASA. I have a mm. great story, if we can address this in a, in a future, about how NASA and the tree industry, the arboricultural industry, actually partnered together about oh, yeah, I mean, eight, ten years ago using NASA technology to understand the hows and whys of trees and how they bend and how they move and how they break. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, 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 it's very fun. It's, and it's, we've got a nice Northeast Ohio connection here, too, which is Oh, fun. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Consider that our next meeting on Weather Jazz, we'll, uh, we'll arrange that uh, here as, as, as maybe even to coordinate with the fall foliage season so that there's a tree connection. How does that sound? Absolutely. Sounds great. John, thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on and you're welcome. Anytime there's something going on, you let us know, okay? Sounds good. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andre. What a great conversation. John Palmer certified arborist. And if you have a favorite tree that isn't looking as healthy as it should, given a recent voluminous rainfall, perhaps you ought to think about calling in a certified arborist to assess the situation. Might help you out. And I will be including the links that John talked about during today's program on weatherjazz.com, episode number 230. Those links will help you to learn more about trees that surround us and do much more than just provide a shady spot for your next picnic. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In fact, if you know somebody, you maybe got into a conversation with someone about a tree that they're concerned about and don't know what to do with it. Well, this is their episode. It might give that certain someone the information that they need so that hopefully they can bring that tree into a position of great health. It is possible, as John mentioned. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. You can easily reach me a number of ways. Email weatherjazz at yahoo.com. 
or you can call me. That's my favorite way on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. The number is 234-525-5888. And if you need that information, all you need to do is click on the contact tab at the very top of weatherjazz.com. All that information will come at you. You can transcribe it and use it. And I look forward to hearing from you. Well, we've got Open Line Friday coming around this week. It's always a fun day for me and hopefully for you too. So we'll see you on Friday. In the meantime, stay cool in these dog days of August. We'll see you soon on Friday right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Across the globe. The Weather Jazz.